Riker to Captain Picard. Go ahead, number one. May I see you in the observation lounge, sir? I'll be right there. This seems to be some kind of meeting place. Some kind of meeting. Some 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 kind of meeting place. Could you want it? Might be doesn't it? I don't think they're going to let us in, Artu. We'd better go. Maybe we'd better talk out here. The observation lounge has turned into a swamp. Artu, wait! Oh dear. Artu! Artu, I really don't think we should rush into this. Oh, Artu! Hello, I'm Greg Harbin, and welcome to Episode 3 of The Observation Lounge for the week of November 24th, 2012, The Classic Cufflink Check. With me today is the founder of Film Geek Radio and my co-host on my last resort podcast, Dispatches from St. Marina, Andrew Johnson. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Glad to be here. And someone I've never podcasted with before, but I'm very excited to, the host of Geek Crash Course on the internet, on the YouTube, Michael Nixon. Welcome, Michael. Hello. Pleasure to be here. Yes, glad you are. Glad you're both here. Um, my my not-a-co-host, uh, Drew Stewart, unfortunately could not make it tonight, so anybody hoping to hear his dulcet tones, tune in next week, because we'll, we'll have to have him on at that point. But nevertheless, we are soldiering on. We are here to discuss the latest James Bond film, which is called, I believe, uh, The Avengers, right? Ray Fiennes, Sean Connery. Yeah, you got it. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. I love, I like the cane. He's, he swung the cane around a lot. I thought Eddie Izzard was, uh, was, was underused as the, the henchman, uh, but I thought his, his final line was pretty fantastic. So, you know. Yes. And Uma Thurman makes a fantastic Bond girl. She definitely does. She definitely does. I, I think I may be confused. Um, I believe we're actually talking about Skyfall. <laughs> Skyfall is the latest in the the Daniel Craig films, which have now numbered three. We had Casino Royale. We had that other one. Um, <laughs> I should yeah. probably say, even though I didn't like it, it was called <laughs> Quantum of Solace. Um, and then this one, Skyfall, and, and we we've all seen it. Um, just you know, what what are your initial thoughts, uh, Michael? Like just in general. I thought, I mean, I enjoyed it quite a bit. My, my concern is, uh, I wonder, you know, when it comes out on, on DVD and Blu-ray and whatever, if it'll hold up as well as an independent, you know, uh, not independent film, but, but separate film mm -hmm. as much as it's like a great anniversary piece. I kind mm -hmm. of like the, the back to one kind of feeling at the end of the movie and all that stuff. Uh, and I think it's, it's cleverly written and the cinematography's, uh, people are going to be talking oh. about it for the rest of the, universe's history so oh that's yeah. for sure uh, i was a fan i'll put it that way okay you were a fan all right andrew <laughs> were, were you similarly a fan i was i agree the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous uh, roger deacon's work on the film it's incredible i think skyfall is probably the prettiest james bond movie yet um and while i didn't enjoy it quite as much as Casino Royale. I thought it was very entertaining. You've got a great villain played by Javier Bardem, uh, some really interesting thematic material, um, and 
the action was much easier to comprehend this time than it was in Quantum of Solace. So right. overall, I'd say I was a big fan. I'm, I'm not sure if I'd put it in my top five Bond films, but it, it would be it be it would be close. Now, it should be said that you've just done a full rewatch of the James Bond film, starting with Doctor No, yes. all oh, wow. the way up through. So yes. you're definitely you're you're speaking from experience here that you you have full in your mind all of these films, and and you still would say maybe top five, like possibly, possibly okay, okay. yes. And I, I we'll we'll save that till the very end of like our ranks. I hope you all have ranked all the James Bond films oh, in order. I didn't do my homework. <laughs> from from one to what twenty? Which what is this? Twenty three. Well, 23. this is the twenty third official yes. Bond right. film. There Not there counting. Are, um, there are never three, say never again. three non-official yes. ones. Yeah, Never Say Never yes. Again, the 1967 Casino Royale, which was kind yes. of a, a spoof. And right. then the very, very first James Bond film was actually a Casino Royale telefilm in the 50s where Bond was With, American. He so. was Jimmy, Jimmy Bond. Bond. That's my Jimmy favorite Bond. part. <laughs> That's good stuff. Oh, man, they, they had like a – there was a trailer. What is it called? Jack Reacher where he's basically oh, right. Tom Cruise playing an American Bond. Um, and it was even like, he's a thug and he's all doing all this stuff. It's like, what will he do? It's like, really? You're just doing a bond movie with Tom Cruise. And it's right before a bond movie that I'm watching. It's like, I know the difference. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> I don't need him to be American. Like whole, it's part of the point is he's British. He's suave, all this stuff. If you make him an American, I think you, you do lose it, which is part of, I think this film is in response to the, the bond, the, sorry, the born ness born bornosity of yeah. the last couple films um, very much so did you, I did think, you feel that michael yeah yeah i mean right from the um the opening action sequence um i was talking about this with my roommate uh yesterday actually the the opening action sequence is very much in that sort of casino royale quantum of solace born frenetic action style and it ends with him because he can't get out of the way of the villain getting shot by a sniper because he's so busy doing this ridiculous action sequence on the top of a train for some reason. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, I sort of loved how they kind of made light of that in order to well, they, they less made light of it and more kind of showed the problems with it because he's sitting there right. in that that construction uh, digger thing and he gets shot in the shoulder like twice. So yeah. it's. It's just not as useful as he thought it would be. And then as soon as <laughs> he runs up on the true. crane yeah, and lands and yeah. pulls that classic Bond cufflink check, he's like back in the fight properly, which is right. uh, interesting to me. I did like I, I like the reversal on the yeah the Earth Mover because I feel like that's always something like Roger Moore would do. And yeah. it would turn out great. Like he'd use the, the claw to block bullets and like knock a couple henchmen off of the train while he was at it. Whereas Craig kind of just barely used it to maybe make a bridge so that he didn't get left behind. Uh, so, yeah, I felt like they were definitely trying to push push away from like some of the the way the action movies have gone in recent years. And especially some of the more ridiculous things about Bond films. One thing that really struck me was the opening credit sequence, which the last couple of movies have been like these crazy after effects extravaganzas yeah. where it's like spinning around and there's like a million things um strobing from the camera this was a series of push-ins yeah. first on craig's eye and then like on a gun and it was so slow it was the closest to kind of what maurice uh binder used to do in the, yeah. the, the classic title sequences which i like i i actually took a class 
um, in After Effects once, and the professor mm-hmm. talked about how everybody in the sort of special effects field, when they saw the opening titles to Casino Royale, they were like, oh, I know what plugins came out when they were doing this. Yeah. Because yeah. it's all like <laughs> particles and, and lines being moved, and the cards all follow really predictable plugin paths of how yeah. these sort of explosions of things falling towards camera uh, tended to go. So it was yeah, nice I, to I, see something a little more um, visually appealing and, and interesting. Yeah, definitely. And it like tells the story of it. Andrew, what was your, your thoughts on that opening title sequence? And, and like I said, you've seen all these other ones. So how did it stack up? I, I like the opening title sequence quite a bit. Um, I think it's interesting if you look at the three uh, Craig Bond films, and if you pay attention to how the those title sequences are put together, they're all very distinct. Um, if you, I mean, the opening to Casino Royale, you've got the focus on the cards and the gambling and the uh, murder. Um, and one of the dominant images of Casino Royale was water. Uh, there's a lot of water in that film, and then you compare that to the opening. Uh, credit sequence of Quantum of Solace, mm-hmm. which is just all about desert imagery and the idea that Bond is dried out and uh, lost and searching. And here in Skyfall, lots of imagery of him drowning or f- falling. So this idea that, you know, there's water rushing around him, you can say that that relates to themes of the past. Yeah, it's and, even and, there's and a weird, you that. don't even know where um, the opening titles re- really start because you see him. You see him there, and then he gets pulled right. down, and then we see, okay, he's being pulled down by a giant hand. That's opening title sequence, but it goes right in. There's none of the, like, looking down the barrel and shooting that might be in some of the previous ones. It just sort of slowly melds into it, which I, I really liked. Yeah, so once again, you've got lots of water imagery and just this idea that that Bond is drowning, and I thought that was a really, really interesting way to open the film not only is it visually exciting but it also seemed thematic and how great was it to start a bond film with him dying i mean it's happened sure a bunch of times i think most notably you only live twice yeah he dies rather dramatically at the start Mm -hmm. arguably the arguably the opening Mm, the the best opening scene of any bond film have to give that a rewatch that scene and you only live twice yeah it's yeah i mean it's assassination (laughs) by bed so (laughs) hard to top it's pretty incredible (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I think he's died yeah. at the beginning a few times. I don't think he only lived twice is the only time. I, I could be wrong about that. It, it's been a, a year or so since my my full rewatch, but it's so great, and and especially since you as a viewer know he's not dead, so you're just waiting for him to come back. So it's not like they have to surprise you with him reappearing. It's like okay, well there he is on a tropical island, of course. But you still deal with everyone else's reaction to it. And I love that this film really became about M. Um, because M has been the strongest part, I feel, since Judy Dench joined the series. Absolutely. I think she's been the strongest part. And that's continued. Um, and this is arguably an M film. Like, it's... She might be the Bond girl in this film, honestly. Because there's more focus on her than there is on the other two. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because there's the the argument that, that I personally really enjoy that, that uh, Casino Royale, uh, Bond is the Bond girl in Casino Royale. And it's, it's interesting mm. that Skyfall sort of mirrors that in effect with M, but it also gives us the thing that we've never seen in a Bond film before, which is a character handing off their position to another actor. I mean, you're never going to see that in a Bond movie. Right. 
I don't know, maybe they'll do it in the future, but especially considering the, that they've pretty effectively debunked the idea that Bond is a code name with this movie, um, which leads to some continuity questions I guess we'll get into later. Uh, but but it's, it was interesting seeing that handoff and, and it was interesting maybe seeing that sort of turn and the kind of motherly uh, feel they gave her character in, in, a, in the last film that she hasn't had previously. Before this, she's mm-hmm. been kind of cold boss um, sort of character. Uh, and in this one, it was interesting that, that they sort of stripped her down. They took away the husband we'd seen in the other two films. They yeah. said that, you know, she'd lost him. For a second, I thought she was going to get together with uh, with Albert Finney's character, which would have been uh, interesting. <laughs> I, I, when the two of them met, I was like, oh, the end of this movie is going to be them, like, chilling out in Skyfall, being all happy together. And I was oh, like, nice. oh, no, never mind. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, I don't have an end to this sentence. Yeah. And and I should say real quick, we will be discussing spoilers on this oh, podcast, um, and I'll say it in the in the description as well. Um, so if you haven't seen the film, you should already have left and and go see the film before you come back. Yep. Um, so yeah, I just want to make sure we get that out there um, in case I forget to put it anywhere else. Because um, yeah, obviously the end of the film is not M going off with Albert Finney, living happily ever after. Andrew, what did you think of M's M's role in this? I really liked how they focused a lot on Bond's relationship with him because particularly over the, the Craig films, their relationship has been a really interesting component of these movies. And there have been frequent times when he and M just did not get along, but you could tell there was still this sense of mutual respect. Um, and, and even in Quantum of Solace, there's a brief period where M and MI6 are flat out trying to mm. catch Bond and stop him from doing what he is doing. Um, so they've always had a very complex relationship, and I liked how this movie really tried to explore that and point out how even though these two don't always see eye to eye, it's almost like a, a, a mother-son relationship. You know, they 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 really focus on Bond's background, the fact that he's an orphan, and how M, in many ways, became a maternal figure to him. And I thought that that was really interesting. I thought it was cool, too, that this is the first movie where M actually trusts Craig's Bond. And in, in the previous two appearances, she's sort of been very standoffish against them, but there's this sort of implicit trust that is there from the beginning of the movie, uh, especially after he comes back. And I feel like his there's this sort of unspoken turning point in the relationship when he comes back because he knows they need him. Then he's, he's there in her house. And instead of like Casino Royale where she right. just wants him to get the hell out of her house, she's, you know, not so much welcoming because she says you're not staying here, but, um, right. <laughs> uh, she's yeah. sort of happy to see him, which is, is, is yeah. a rarity in terms of their relationship before that. Yeah. And I heard a really interesting. Oh no! Go ahead. Well, in Casino Royale, I was just going to say that in Casino and in Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, there was this idea of the big picture and the idea that Bond was having trouble at times seeing the big picture, and he would let all of his own individual grievances and all of his individual feelings get in the way. Um, and this opening in Skyfall, I mean, M gives the order to have Bond shot. And I feel like if, if this was the same bond that we saw in Casino Royale, that would be a real problem. 
and he would not come back. He would probably even want to take revenge. But by this point, three films in, this is a guy who has learned to see the big picture to a certain extent and acknowledge that, yeah, sometimes tough decisions have to be made and sometimes yeah. you have to get shot. I heard an interesting theory um, this week that the the actual theme song is actually about M, which I think if you read over the lyrics and you listen to the song, it's actually kind of really powerful. Um, my interpretation of it is M singing to both Bond and also Javier Bardem's character, um, sort of back and forth. Um, sometimes, you know, where she says, you know, may, you may have my number, you may take my name, but you'll never have my heart. Um, but what really kills me is where she says, um, without the security of your loving arms, keeping me from harm, put your hand on my hand and we'll stand at Skyfall. It's like, it's it's all about that finale. Yeah. And at usually, I mean, I'm trying to think, there have been some really bad Bond songs. Uh, Man with the Golden Gun comes Ooh, to boy. mind. <laughs> Of being just so bad. Oh boy! Uh, but the best ones are typically about Bond himself, um, and they're just talking about how great he is, or they're talking about the villain and talking about how evil he is. I can't think of another theme song that was about M, and that 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 struck me as as really cool. Actually, well, I don't think M's ever been as much of a character as as yeah. he slash she has been played by Judy Dench. Um, I mean, even. Ray finds at the end, his M seems to be more of that sort of original, here's a mission, go away kind of M. We've never yeah, had exactly. really a story where M is out of the office, much less shooting at people um, to the point where we have in, in this. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, uh, Andrew. No, you're absolutely right. Having done right. Your, your massive rewatch. No, uh, you're right. Fact check away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. No, M M never pulled out a gun or really got much involved in the older films. Every once in a while, yeah. Q would show up and do something. Yeah, Q would like appear in the New Orleans Bayou with like, I don't know, like an inflatable gunboat or something. <laughs> right, and then he would he would, um, by the end of the film, he would encounter like right. a harem of women. And they would I mean, all wouldn't he? love him for saving their lives or something. He's the gadget guy. He can program yeah. all of their VCRs. <laughs> right. He's the perfect man. <laughs> oh, he absolutely. Well, this cue, ladies. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I'm a I'm a Benjamin uh, Wishaw fan. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Funnily enough, but um, it, it was cool seeing him as as the new Q. I'd be happy to see him continue in the series for quite some time. I kind of like the, yeah, I, I feel the like, full cast they've put together at the end, honestly. I, I like that. I really like the movie. I mean, they say it over and over again. The old ways are the best ways. And I like this movie as them sort of mm -hmm. turning around and saying, this thing's 50 years old. What's old is new again because we're doing something that is allowed to be campy, is allowed to have this sort of recurring cast of people. You know, if, if I'm hoping Ray Fiennes comes back as M. I, I love Rory Kinnear as Tanner. I love... Um, I actually really like Naomi Harris as Moneypenny, and I, I feel like I'm one of yeah. the only people who does. Um, but I really liked uh, Ben Wishaw as Q. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, I, And I felt like they were sort of building a cast that they could use in upcoming films, which is weird because at the same time, they're also playing it like Craig's getting older. And um, like he, this might be one of his last Bond films. But I felt like overall, they were building a cast that could be continuing. Um, and I, I do hope they do this. As you say, they're sort of bringing back that old Bond flavor 
I love little moments like um, during the Aston Martin and Bond sort of threatens to, to do the ejector. Go scene. ahead, eject me. It's one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, maybe they would have done. Uh, sure. They would have done that joke in one of the Brosnan films, but they wouldn't have done it in one of the first two Craig ones. Like it felt like they were going off on a whole new tangent with those and they were just never going to make it back to that old feeling. But the moment for me, what really hit me was the moment at the end of the film where they go into the office and maybe for people who haven't seen the, the old movies oh, recently, yeah. that office set yeah. doesn't hit you. But I think long time, long term fans I think most people in the audience were like, that's the set. That, that's the coat rack that like Sean Connery would fling his hat onto. That's Money Penny's mm-hmm. desk. That was my favorite. I mean, my favorite part of the movie in <sighs> general was feeling the audience reacting to the movie because I was I was in yeah. sort of a morning audience with a lot of older viewers and uh, a lot of people who'd seen previous Bond films and maybe even started with the first Bond film. And there was this just this sort of uh, rippling gasp that went through the audience as people started to get it in different pockets of the theater. Like, oh, I see what they're yeah. doing. Oh, I see what they're doing. And I mean, as soon as they were on the roof and Naomi Harris gave him the bulldog, I was like, oh, she's money penny. I know what we're doing. Like, I had had the theory, but this was that was the moment where I was like, oh, we're going to the office right now. This is amazing. I, I didn't get it until I saw the coat rack. Oh, yeah. And she starts walking toward the towards the desk. My, I, I just wish she had a hat. It. Like if Daniel Craig suddenly had a oh, hat yeah. and put it on that rack, I'd be like, OK, this is perfect. <laughs> this is everything I needed. Well, just wait. I, I bet there will be a hat. Um, It might just be a hat joke, but I, I bet they'll do the hat next. Film. Oh, I hope so. Well, let's see. This is weird because this is the 50th anniversary film. So they're they're probably doing a little bit more like the Aston Martin. Oh, yeah. Really? What was the Aston Martin? But a an in joke for everybody. But it's great, too, because it was in Casino Royale. And and I, I, well, can I, I also that think Demetrius, the, the villain, would have outfitted it with machine guns and an ejector seat. He's a bad guy. Well, I also think that that was a conscious oh, reference to to Goldfinger. Mm. I mean, that seems like the right. exact same car from Goldfinger. You got the ejector seat, you got the uh, you got the turrets on the front, and I felt like they were consciously trying to make Skyfall parallel mm. Goldfinger. That was the third Bond film. This is the third right. Craig film. The the third in this new yeah. reboot, so to speak. Um, you know, the the first two Bond films were all about Spectre. The first two Craig films were all about Quantum. And then there was yeah. a break from that in the third film. Um, so so yeah. I, I got a really strong Goldfinger vibe from yeah, it's interesting. Skyfall and I do, in a good way. I, I do think of Dr. No from Russia with Love and Goldfinger as that trilogy. Like yeah. that's the classic Bond trilogy. And then the other films are just other films in the series. They're fine. But those are like the solid films. So if you, I need to go back and, and watch Goldfinger again and see what more parallels there are. I know you were saying something about um, references to the Brosnan films. Yeah, sprinkled through I'd, here. I'd mentioned this before, and, and this is probably just coincidence, but there, there, there are like little things in Skyfall that I felt like, uh, like for example, uh, like Goldeneye has a rogue double O agent. Tomorrow Never Dies yeah. has a lot of um, kind of. Uh, shanghai and macau kind of locations i don't remember where in china yeah. they they are but there's i know there's a chinese agent in it and, and uh mm-hmm. stuff like that the world is not enough is the one that's the hardest they have this they have a chinese keyboard yeah that's all hanzi 
which is not the way Chinese type. Yeah, I know. That's, that's not how you type And it's it. also weird because Brosnan <laughs> makes the thing about not knowing it when in an earlier Connery movie he did, which is a right. whole other set of problems. Um, yeah. Yay for problems. Um, the World's Not Enough <laughs> is the one where I admit I have to stretch quite a bit because I, I just sort of, yeah. there's the uranium bullet and, and it's, it's related to an assassin and that kind of thing. Which okay. is very the elastic is very thin at that point, but um, right. there's the scorpion for which relates to Die Another Day and also the sort of submerging in ice. Okay. So there's the four Brosnan movies have a weird bit of reference in within the film. Oh, interesting. I feel like. um, which is probably I'm just, just me looking. They haven't too gone deep. to the well. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm glad they haven't gone to the well and had like a skiing scene like yet. <laughs> Thank um, God. <laughs> like I'm sure soon they will, um, and maybe it'll be better because at least it won't be Daniel Craig in front of a, a rear projection screen. That's true, and he'll, he'll hopefully not he'll be wearing stunt people. Yeah. Hopefully he won't be wearing a, a bright yellow jumpsuit either. <laughs> Although the Union Jack parachute is coming back into fashion, I hear. Hopefully he. So there's oh, that. I'd love to see Union Jack. Par- that's one. That's a. <laughs> hopefully he won't end up doing spins right. and flips and. Uh... You know, going down on one ski or using his ski. The as one, a, uh, as the a ski pole gun is my favorite part of that scene because oh, there's yeah. just this huge yeah. plume of flame that comes off that oh, guy for yeah. no reason. It's the best thing. <laughs> yes, yes. It's yeah, like a flare gun. My favorite, my favorite moment is where it, it has nothing to do with skiing. I think he's in Las Vegas, and he turns the car oh, yes. up on its yep. side to go through an alley. And when it comes out the other side, the car is turned the other way. No, the yes. best part is the scene in the middle of that where he he fl- he rotates <laughs> mm-hmm. the car mm-hmm. on the axis. So he flips the wheels right. he's on because they realized in post they had to do that, which means he could have just right. been driving down the alley the whole time. <laughs> he could have been. <laughs> right. They do like a little thing in editing to make it work. Oh, my God. Well, yes. Perfect. And then let's not even talk about the, the, the double-taking pigeon. Oh, yeah. More films. So uh, I'm actually kind of surprised James Bond has the made it 50 years. Honestly, guys. Uh, I mean, I'm a Doctor Who fan, and I'm amazed that show's lasted 50 years, much less come oh. back after, like, 10 in the wilderness. So right. the the fact that Bond's been continually uh, coming out with films surprises me a little bit less. Um, well, that is that is a similar a similar reference. Very it, much so. They sort of went away at the same time. Um, Doctor Who, I'm uh, sorry, yeah, Doctor Who came back um, in kind of the same way that the Brosnan films came back, and I, and I feel like Craig is is like a resetting of the film series, just like uh, Matt Smith is a resetting of the Doctor Who series. Yeah. Um, so it's all about reinventing yourself and, and figuring out what fans like and what fans, what new fans are going to like. I, w- I mean, I would, I would compare well, it a little differently. I, I think that Brosnan was sort of the, what the McGann Doctor Who movie was trying to do. And oh, if you look, okay. you know, Eccleston and Craig, weirdly enough, they're coincidentally kind of similar characters. They're kind of, at the start mm-hmm. of Casino Royale, Craig is very much that sort of withdrawn, a little bit of of possible kind of shell shocky sort ofness to his character, and very angry and very reactionary. So it's it's interesting that those two mm-hmm. shows have kind of parallels like that. It's it's interesting. Yeah, to me that is interesting. I um, say interesting. I, I, I should. Apologies. <laughs> I do too. I say interesting and absolutely. So ah, I'm trying to watch myself. Fascinating. Uh, so, right. Well, let's see. The one thing we haven't talked about much is Javier Bardem, oh. who is the the villain in this film. Um, I'm actually trying to remember who was the villain in the last two films. I, I know Casino Royale had the guy um, who was bleeding from yeah, his eye. Uh, Le Chiffre. Um, 
Le Chiffre. Le Chiffre. Le Chiffre. Right. Le Chiffre. Le Chiffre. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then uh, but even Quantum he, was Dominic Green. There's... <laughs> Uh, oh, okay. Kind so, of. There's somebody in Quantum yeah, Solace. Right. I'm sorry, I gave up on Quantum of Solace the other day because I couldn't find a plot. In there, it. Uh, the plot is there were some writers. They went on strike, <laughs> and uh, the movie was made. Uh, right. My understanding is Craig and and Forster actually were writing pages as they. It went. seems like it. Like, it was like, well, we have this location. Maybe Bond could say something before start shooting. Maybe. Yes. Okay. Yep. I, I don't think you guys are giving Quantum of Solace enough credit. It, it was a messy film due to the writer's strength, but it. There, there's I some mean, there are some really great moments in, in Quantum, movie. I think, but they don't have enough resonance. Like, um, damn it, what's his name? Uh, oh, sure, and that, that, that's yeah. largely because it, it feels so rushed. What's the it's name of the character Giancarlo Gianni plays? Madsen, mid, M something. Damn it. Oh, He's um, the cool guy with the sunglasses, Mathis. Yeah, yes, I know. Like the Mathis's Mathis. death oh, okay. in Quantum is is a great scene and a great moment, but it doesn't have like the landing it should have because the movie around it, it's it's like a lot of movies that could have been better than they are. Quantum, I think, is a collection of really good scenes, but there's nothing that ties them together. It's my opinion. That yeah, and that makes sense, and I think that's why I gave up on it. It's like if I don't know why Bond is shooting at people. Yeah. It makes me care less. Like, I know he's going to survive. There's an airplane dogfight in that movie for seemingly no reason. There's an there's do- airplane dogfight? I must not have gotten oh, yeah. that far. I mean, I've seen it's it. It's the air sequence. I've, I've... This thing about quantum yeah. that bothers me is it's it's everything <laughs> he, everyone it, it, I know it, it, in film school would talk about about their films. It's like the fight scenes represent the four elements. There's earth, oh. fire, water, and air. And I'm like, oh, God, I want to die. Four times from different elements <laughs> as you describe this to me. So it's like Quantum of Solace is the weird art school Bond film that I don't know. There's a random shot of a woman's vagina in that movie for no reason. It's incredibly really? uncomfortable. Yeah, towards the end. There's a chick getting raped and you like see her vagina. And I'm like, I don't feel good about this. I feel really yeah. bad about this. Why is that in my Bond film? Get that out of my Bond film. That's not good. I was already uncomfortable enough with this, the the torture scene from... from uh casino royale yeah that i just i really shouldn't ever watch again yeah Yeah. that was the i have well if if that scene made you uncomfortable how did the introduction of javier i love that because again i was in an audience full of relatively older people so feeling everyone in that audience getting super uncomfortable (laughs) made me love javier bardem's (laughs) character even more because he was doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing (laughs) yes Yes, I I I loved that scene, and I loved how. I loved how he was coming on to him, and Craig was just. Not having the reaction you expected. Yeah, like he was he was completely refusing to to just fall in with oh what are you doing stop it or getting angry or whatever he was just like okay that's fine whatever you want to do, keep going yeah. if you want. <laughs> Well, he also says, you know, what he he also yes. says what makes you think this is my first time? And the way yeah, he I says it, too. I bought it. Okay? I was like, you know what? If this guy had to yep. had to sleep with another guy it. to achieve to 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 accomplish his mission. Well, like the, he would, uh, he would do I, it. Are any guys Downton yeah. Abbey fans? I I've not. Uh, but yeah. The the, the most yes, recent season, there's the the big revelation that one of the characters is gay and and the the head the 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 head of the house 
talks about because he's this ridiculous character and that he's this sort of rich upper crusty world war one era guy but he has relatively modern morals in terms of how he looks at the world around him so there's just like this revelation that this character is gay and you expect him to be like that's terrible this is disgusting because every other character is acting like that but he's like Mm -hmm. the lord of this house and he's like please you can't imagine the number of guys who tried to kiss me when i was at eaton I was like, oh, okay, this is a funny way that they're taking care of this. But, I mean, I can see something. Bond has that sort of similar upper crusty kind of upbringing that Mm. I feel like there's some of that in that. And there's also he's just a good spy. And if he has to do this, I believe he'll do this. And also, I think he knows that uh, Silva's just Mm -hmm. screwing with him, which is it's this great scene of them, like, assessing each other's uh, personalities that I really enjoy. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's that's I think what was really strong about the scene was there's that the sexual overtones um, that they're not really shying away from. They're just sort of going forward and presenting it and saying, "Look, audience, you may be uncomfortable with this, but deal." Welcome with it. to the 21st um, century, the same- you bastards! <laughs> exactly. Yes, M's a woman and Money Penny's black, and Daniel Craig might kiss a guy. You know, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> who? who- who will be I the know. first Bond guy? And, and can it be that me? Did question. I say that out loud? Whoa. Revelations <laughs> on the Observation Lounge tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. But I did love, I thought I thought Javier Bardem was, was great. I was mentally comparing him to Heath Ledger's Joker yes. the whole time I was watching it. Oh, yeah. Just because he's got, he has a plan. And there's all these chaotic things that are going on. And as you continue throughout the film, you realize... Oh, he not only expected that to happen, he wanted that to happen yeah. so that he could get to this next point, um, which makes me wonder how they really defeated him in the end. And that's a whole discussion to have if we have time. Um, but yeah, what did you guys think of him as like as the Bond villain? I thought he was really fantastic. I don't know if I'd say he's the best Bond villain, but he's certainly one of the best. And one of the most memorable. Um, I liked how they 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 took all these elements of previous Bond villains. You know, the mastermind mm. with the incredible plan, the uh, the shock of blonde hair that reminded me of Christopher Walken in A View to a Kill, uh, and 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 just and his um. Oh, his that was amazing. Piece. Yeah, that's you know, if think about think about how many Bond villains have mm-hmm. metal appendages. Or, and this or sort Jaws of facial disfigurement thing, teeth. too. I mean, it really seemed like they were trying... Right, yeah. It, 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 it's like they took all of these elements of, of the best Bond villains and just put them into one. And there's like two and, gay henchmen. Yeah. And, yeah. and <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, and they just yeah, kind sort of, of a perfect it up distillation really of, liked of the result. Bond's villains. I mean, I think if, if hmm. Skyfall's top, place, uh, top five place is kind of iffy, Bardem's top five place is really kind of certain, at least in my mind, because yeah, I just he's got that kind of Red Grant thing from uh, from Russia with Love. He's he's Alec Trevelyan from from Goldeneye, but way better. He's that rogue MI6 agent who has a plan and goes and causes chaos, right. and Bond has to be sent after him. And there's there's more connection between them, and it's interesting that that where uh, Janice's um, relationship was to bond and goldeneye um silva's relationship was to m in 
Skyfall, which goes right. back to that kind of idea we were talking about, about it being an M film as much as it's a Bond film. Yeah, and you mentioned Trevelyan from GoldenEye, and that's a film that always kind of disappoints me because of where they don't go. Yeah. Um, obviously, Sean Bean is a great actor. Uh, we've seen him doing great stuff, but I never feel like that character is a part of the film enough. Yeah, I agree. He, he, he sure he is the villain but yeah like he never does anything this is that guy but let's really see him take over the film and say i want stuff to happen and i'm going to make it happen i'm going to force it and i'm gonna, really going to be a powerful force that bond has to deal with yeah um, and i mean and he and he well, yeah. Trevelyan was just like random guy who does bad things uh, silva yeah. was just this believable villain to me of this is what happens when a double o agent goes wrong like if yeah. bond cuz the idea with Trevelyan was, what if Bond went bad? Ha ha, the evil twin thing. But Bardem is like, Bardem Silva is, what if Bond really went bad? And he has that great, like, Bond villain origin, the cyanide didn't work. Like, that's crazy. It's yeah. it's just such a, uh, a really brilliant kind of combination of factors, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Right, especially because it's, it's, as you mentioned, it's all centered around M. And if she's the maternal figure here, then you definitely get the sense that Bond yeah. and Silva are kind of like brothers. Uh, and, and, you know, one of them managed to retain a good relationship with M despite all their conflict, and the other one did not. Um, and so I really like that dichotomy and, and that, yeah. that doppelganger yeah, effect there. Yeah, yeah, really. And I got the really, I got the sense that he was extremely dangerous especially during the it was I, I keep wanting to call it a courtroom but it was the inquiry where where m is having to answer to the people and it's the moment where she starts reading Tennyson. yeah and she talks about her husband and i just watched casino royale and i was like oh i love her husband i love that she's married and she says that she'd lost him and she starts reading Tennyson, and it's cut all together i put my hand over my mouth because I was just like, and you can hear like Em's about to die. You can hear the crack in her voice too. Like she's yeah. sad because she's talking about her husband, and that's like an amazing little moment by Judy Dench too. Yeah, yeah, and also, and, and I just, I sorry, mm, sorry, okay. just Tennyson in a Bond film is an amazing oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. <laughs> I want to credit that to John Logan. I, I love John Logan; he's one of my favorite screenwriters. I know he's only one of three on this, but. I feel like that's a, a moment he put in because he's he's very well read and he, he loves putting in stuff like that. He put stuff like that into the Star Trek film. He yeah, wrote. which is funny because Stuart like, Baird uh, edited. Uh, the, uh, he did. I I almost walked out of the theater when I saw Stuart Baird's name <laughs> <laughs> in the opening credit. I saw that and I was like, "What's Screw happening? This. Oh God!" <laughs> he's edited more stuff than you'd want to. He's a good. He's editor. a really good editor. That's, that's, that's the thing. thing. Yeah. He just needs he needs to not be given films. He just doesn't yeah. know what he's doing with films. Especially Star Trek films, because he's never seen it. Well, that's but that's a whole. Meanwhile, in the observation <laughs> but, lounge, right? But my, I, I think my point was, I knew Emma was going to die, <laughs> and even when she didn't quite die in that scene, I still knew she was going to die, and I knew that that she was going to die because of Silva, and that just gave this whole film a weight for the final act. That when they do finally go to Skyfall, and it turns into Home Alone. And they have to fight off the Joe Pesci and the rest of the I was going to say straw dogs, but I okay. S- 
<laughs> oh, Straw Dogs. Okay, there you go. Well, no, there, there's a tweet going around that this film is, I think Damon Lindelof oh, said. Oh, well, let's all listen is... to Damon Lindelof about writing advice. <laughs> let's get right on that, guys. <laughs> How about that ending, Damon Lindelof? Can't wait Which for the Damon are you talking Lindelof about, Michael? Bond oh, film. everything Damon Lindelof's <laughs> written, everyone else. Prometheus wasn't his fault. Uh, I'm reading the John Spite script right now. It's kind of his uh, fault. No, but yeah. I don't want to... This is, this is a... Little it's, bit. It's kind little of his bit. fault. When Although I do have to credit him Scott, for the remember, Liz Shaw reference. Uh, I'll give him that. Remember the story... Remember Kevin Smith trying to write a Superman film? And all of the notes he yeah. got. And how he was forced to write a horrible script. Not because he wanted to... But because I, that's what he was told. I to don't do. think my problems with Prometheus are not about the plot. They're mainly about the characters <laughs> and that the the science expedition that billions of dollars were spent on is crewed by the worst scientists in the history of science. <laughs> we found an alien head and I'm sad because it won't talk to me. Yeah. Shut up and please die faster. <laughs> worst scientists. I can't wait until the Lindelof Bond film when Bond dies, but then he and M meet in the afterlife <laughs> and have and go on it. But it's not really purgatory. Just for that one little bit. <laughs> I think my point was that Damon Lindelof tweeted um, that this film is the Dark Knight meets Home Alone. And I, I honestly do think that's kind of legitimate because the first two acts are the Dark Knight and the last act is Home Alone. Uh, but that didn't kill me. I feel me. like you're not like, giving... I, still... I feel like Home Alone just isn't giving Skyfall enough credit because it's like a really great home defense film, but it is it is kind of like that. I mean, I really enjoy that, that the film flipped the Bond formula and that it starts, the world is in peril and it ends, these two people are fighting other, like the world is against them. It's It's... Right. I don't know. Are there any other films like that in the Bond series, Andrew? Because I haven't really done a rewatch recently, but are there any other films that like end with Bond in a house in peril? I feel like it's always like the volcano lair is exploding before we can send the nuke to London for some reason. Right, right. You know? <laughs> no, this is definitely a very unique ending. I gotta be honest, the, the third act of the film didn't really work for me, um, but I I agree with you. It is an interesting choice structurally and it is different from all the bond films that have come before it um yeah i'm not sure what they were going for with albert finney and then there's escape tunnels and there's multiple waves of people attacking the house which seemed odd to me but uh it was it was an interesting idea now that we are finally at skyfall i do want to talk about albert finney and where this film lands in continuity. So go, going into the film, I, of course, has have this theory that's not original to me, that James Bond is a code mm-hmm. name, that it's been given to various 007s over the years, um, starting with maybe starting with Sean Connery, maybe earlier than that, and that Daniel Craig's just the latest, quote, James Bond. And Casino Royale uh, kind of now- men- addresses this because they, they say that Mathis is just his code name. Um there's that that right. exchange between them. So there's a little bit of like fuel to that fire in that movie too. And and even in this one, like where they showed the list of NATO a- agents, it showed real name, fake yep. name. And even with um Silva, his real name is something else. Something Rodriguez. Something I think. Uh, Tiago, Tiago Rodriguez. Rodriguez. That's right. I believe. Right. I know it's Tiago. Um 
join so forces. What's, <laughs> right. So here's the question. Um, what's James Bond's real name? But we go to his house and it, it's the Bond. It's not Jeff Skyfall. It's Andrew Bond. and Right. So what did you guys, Andrew, what did you take from that to, to mean? How, how do you approach this? You know, I while I think that the idea that Bond could be a code name is a very interesting one, there's actually no evidence for that in any of the older films. Um, there is that one film where Bond actually gets married and his wife's name yeah. does become Tracy Bond. So it's pretty clear from that point on that James Bond is his real name. So it wasn't a big deal to me when I saw his parents gravestone and realized, Oh yeah. And, and apparently Bond he too. is Batman because his parents were killed when he was a well, kid. Well, that was always part of the yeah, backstory. He went into a cave and had a, an, a, was it part of the backstory? Was it in the books? I think it was, they, they've never really, yeah, they've never really said it in the films, how his parents died, but I believe in the books. It, yeah. There's some they, sort of skiing accident. As far accident as I know, sort. and this is kind of cursory. I haven't really read the novels. Um, I find it interesting that if, if if I am correct, this is sort of the last the integration of kind of the last of Ian Fleming's ideas, and mm. it, it's funny that the sort of one of the last things they integrate from Ian Fleming is the origin of James Bond, in that he's his parents died, uh, and they don't explain how they died in Skyfall, which is is interesting to me. Um, yeah. So they could still be the skiing or climbing accident or whatever, or it's something they could touch on in a future movie that you know shot by the Joker. bad guy did it. Um, so it's uh, and that he was an orphan, and that because he was an orphan, he was recruited into into uh, the double O section, which they actually mention mm. in in Goldeneye too, don't they? Because uh, Trevelyan's uh, mm. parents were killed, and uh, he says something to Bond about us orphans or mm. or the best uh, agents or something to that effect. It's been a little oh, while. Because I know I know M says something like that in this right. one, yeah. or someone says it to her. No, M says it to Bond, doesn't she? Because she's. So you haven't been here since you lost them or something? Yeah. Yes, I, I thought does. someone says to her, like, oh, orphans make the best agents, don't they? Or, or something something to that effect. I it could be misremembering a line. Mm. Maybe but, he says... But yeah, they, they definitely made it very clear that, yeah. that Bond is an orphan, especially in this one, and that that's why he's in the program. Um, and I guess they're trying to say kind of that he was raised by this Kincaid figure who I really want to talk about him for a moment. Um, Albert Finney shows up out of the blue and a lot of people in my theater thought beard. he was Sean Connery. Like I could tell from the audience well, reaction because yep. I, I know they were, tr they were thinking about getting Sean Connery and they just didn't even bother yep. asking him. But there were people like in my, in the audience I saw it with who were like, Oh, yeah. and I was like, no guys, stop it. It's not who you think it is. I, and that's, I realized I knew Sean Connery wasn't <laughs> it cause I saw, I saw an article that said they were trying to get him. And I didn't read the article, but I knew when Albert Finney showed up, oh, that's Albert Finney. I saw your name in the opening credits. But there was that in my theater too, that big reaction. Oh, it's Sean Connery. Yeah. Which if it had been Sean Connery, I think I would be banging my fist with my theory still going strong oh, yeah. that Bond is a code name and that this is all and that he was raised by the original 007 and all of this stuff. And that would explain still, the car too, which would be... And it would explain the car. Kind of cool. I still kind of think, and you guys may disagree with me, I still kind of think 
they're dropping hints that, that there's something like that going on with, with the code names, with having Albert Finney be a, I mean, it's Scotland for God's sake. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I feel like there's something going on there. My, my crazy, well, I'll, let me save my crazy theory. Andrew, what did you think about Albert Finney? Albert Finney, I have no thoughts about Albert Finney. Like I said, I have some, I have major issues okay. with the third act of the film. I didn't really understand why he was there. I'm not sure he was really necessary. I agree with you if it had been Connery and if they had been trying to draw some sort of continuity line between all 23 official films, that would have been interesting. But as it stands, I'm not quite sure why he's there. Um, now, as to your theory as to James Bond being a code name, I suppose it's possible that they could reveal later on that his parents had this code name Bond as well, or maybe he was orphaned at such a young age he never learned their real name or, or something. Um, but I don't think there's any evidence in the older films to support that, and I, I, I honestly, personally, when it comes to the idea of Bond continuity, I really don't think there is any continuity pre-Casino Royale. I think these last three films are the only Bond films that have any sort yeah. of I mean, I serial think So you wouldn't line. mind treating this as just, this is the first Bond, the other films didn't even have to happen, doesn't matter. There's just not... It's a it's, reboot. Yeah. Okay. This is a reboot. This is a reboot. This is a different take on the character. Um, you know, Casino Royale, some people said it was a prequel. Some people said it was a reboot. Honestly, I view it as a reboot. This is a, a, a new take on the character. He's never gotten married. He's never encountered Money Penny until now. Uh, I, I, he's never encountered Q until now. I think we're just supposed to assume that... From Casino Royale onward, this is a, a yeah, new and I think line of thought. The nice thing about the movie is, is it works to all the various theories. Like, if you want to believe that there are various guys who've been James Bond, you can construct that for yourself. If you want to believe that this is a reboot and it's just Daniel Craig doing his thing, that totally works too. And and if you have some other theory that James Bond is a Time Lord and that DB5 is his TARDIS, I mean, okay, <laughs> that's a little weird, but go for it. <laughs> All right, so let me let me throw you my my little weird but go for it theory. Um, I ha well, I have two. The first one came to me as soon as I saw the film, and then that one is Bond is stuck in a time loop. <laughs> that at the very end of the film, he walks into the office and he's gonna encounter Doctor No. That he's and he's gonna keep doing this, and his face is gonna change, and it's just gonna keep going around in a circle. That one I'm I'm not quite so strong on anymore. Uh, the sort of time loop, purgatory, Damon Lindelof situation. Well, Casino Royale kind of wanted to be that, too, and that they gave him the DB5 in the first place. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it yep. it's funny that we're two movies after Casino Royale, and it's like another reboot of this thing with the same actor as right. Bond. I, I'm really curious to see what Bond 24 is, to see if they sort of follow through yeah. with all this, or if they do another sort of changing of the status quo. Mm-hmm. From what little I've heard from, from the rumors that are swirling about the future of James Bond, I believe Craig I've, is signed on I've for heard that as well. two more films that are going to be written back-to-back. -back. 
so the next two films will follow yeah. some sort of continuous yeah, I've heard that, arc. And I'm, I'm, there have been conflicting reports about that too, that that's not the case, but who knows this, this far out. But I do think at least him being signed up for two more films is confirmed fact. Okay, so let me give you my crazy theory, and then we'll have our final thoughts. Here's my crazy theory. It's not that James Bond is a code name so much that the James Bond persona is implanted memories that they take each Total agent recall. as a child <laughs> and and brainwash them to believe this shared backstory. And maybe Sean Connery's parents did live in Skyfall and were killed um, in that way. Uh, but each of the Bonds that followed are have been given his memories. And M knows this, and I think even Silva might know this. Um, but James Bond knows nothing of this. He just knows Skyfall is a safe place, and that's where I should go back to. And the sort of the the age of the Skyfall house might sort of push that theory, mm -hmm. but yeah. I, I don't know if I believe it. But it's an interesting. <laughs> it's a it's a really interesting thought. <laughs> um, I don't think it's that outlandish. No, it's well, it's you know not. That... I mean. We're talking about the Bond movies. There's a guy who had a laser on the right. moon one time. Like, what are you going to do? Uh, the last movie was about a guy who was buying up all the world's water, which is a real thing that is happening, but <laughs> still seems outlandish. I, You know, I, I do think it's entirely possible that they could find a way to write in the idea that James Bond is just a code name. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's going to happen when Daniel Craig, the star of this new reboot of James Bond, yeah. what happens when he gets too old to play the character? Will will they actually show him passing it on to someone else? Um, and will they continue that this this new idea of continuity that they've inserted in, into the franchise? And yep. I think that's going to be interesting. Well, wasn't to it? See. Didn't it take them until Eccleston to actually show the regeneration nope. process? Nope. They they'd shown it before. Yeah, all of them okay. except the one into Eccleston. Uh, okay. Oh, that they just did. They just did. The first ever show two that are okay. complicated because they hadn't thought up regeneration yet. So one, right. uh, Hartnell de Troughton is. I could do this all day. Uh sorry, Hartnell Hartnell sorry. de Troughton is like supposedly it was just a rejuvenation. He just gets younger. Is the idea? So Troughton is just a younger first doctor. Oh, okay. Was the original concept of it? I see. Um, hmm. But that was for actually until like the 20th anniversary, people considered that first regeneration not really a regeneration. Uh, but that's sort of hmm. been retconned. It was he regenerated, things changed. Um, and then when Troughton became Pertwee, it wasn't really a regeneration properly either because the Time Lords just said, We're sending you to Earth and we're changing your face. And Troughton was like, right. You can't just change what I look like without consulting me, is the line. Uh, <laughs> and he just lands on Earth as John Pertwee. With no explanation. Um, and there's no, you don't actually see the change, which is uh, kind of weird too. But. Well, when do they actually show the like light coming out of the neck and, well, the it's, it's, and all that? Well, that's a recent effect. Originally, um, one to two was they pulled a cloak off of William Hartnell and he was Troughton. Uh, Troughton, the end of War Games is him like, ah, and the beginning of Spearhead from Space is Pertwee opening the door and falling out. Um, Pertwee changes into Baker. They do like, uh, uh, dissolve as, as far okay. as I remember, uh, four, 
to uh, Baker to Davison is really weird because there's an effect and then uh, like a guy in all white like walks into them because he's a future projection of the doctor. That one's a really strange one um, uh, comparatively. Um, Baker just turns into Davison. Well, that's yeah, that four to five is the one where the guy walks into the guy. Uh, Davison is laying on the floor and turns into Colin Baker. Um, <laughs> Colin Baker actually doesn't turn into Sylvester McCoy. Sylvester McCoy in Colin Baker's clothes and a wig changes into Sylvester McCoy without the wig because <laughs> nice. Colin Baker was fired and didn't want to come back. Uh, um, God. due to uh, some really stupid decisions, Colin Baker was actually a pretty good doctor, but, uh, the scripts were really, really bad. Um, and I will defend that to my grave. Uh, McCoy turns into McGann. The only one we've never seen is McGann turning into Eccleston. Because uh, th- that was the one that was just sort of, let's try this sort of U.S. Yeah. TV movie, then, and maybe that'll be what the Doctor is, and then it ended up not being yeah, that. Yeah, because uh, Philip Seagal was really, the producer of the 96 movie was really into continuity. This is turning into the Doctor Who hour. Uh, sorry, everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Apologies. I, I wanted to get that out. Um uh, Maybe now we'll get some Doctor Who fans too. Yeah, uh, but Seagal was really into the continuity, and he kind of insisted that McCoy come back, and and so they did that. Oh, okay. uh, and they wanted to do oh, the regeneration. They wanted, especially because because it was designed to be an American pilot, they wanted that handoff for the the BBC fans right. uh, for it to be official. Right. But funnily enough, when they were redoing the show again uh, a couple of years later, basically almost ten years later, Russell Davies took the opposite yeah. decision, which was this will just confuse people. So Eccleston shows up and then confusingly enough goes to a mirror and is like, oh, this is weird. My face is really strange. (laughs) And so which means that the ninth doctor only existed for a year. And that annoys the crap out of me because it's a a huge waste of a regeneration. We should have have a. We should have a podcast where we just talk about how short the ninth doctor's around oh for. It. But that's a whole. Let's let's hold off You're on that because we are at we are at officially an hour, and we've been talking about Doctor Who for ten minutes. So. <laughs> Sorry, Bond fans. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of hey, hijacked the, the, the show there. That's <laughs> fine. Um, so let's see. I, the last thing I want to touch on. Okay, so my my continuity idea, crazy, probably not going to happen. Well, let's. I think we've already basically touched. The thing on, is, they could do it and then never mention it again. Right. I mean, they could do right. it and then do another movie where they, they argue against it. It's, it's right. Retcons are there right. for a reason. Right. And as, and as you say, like um, Tom Hardy could just be James Bond in one of these films and no one would really care. Like that's, that's how it works. I'd like him as a villain. So, hmm. oh, hmm. Yep. Be be- anything we'll would be better I'm, I'm sure than him be as one of these eventually. <laughs> Although Ray Fiennes apparently won't. I want to see oh, Michael deal. Shannon as Jaws. Oh, That's all I want. <laughs> I'm just annoyed that Ray Fiennes is never going to be Bond. I, I don't think they'll ever do that now that he's Well, M. he was John Steed in the Avengers. So. He had his turn to be British super spy in nice clothing. So he just wasted it on the 98 Avengers movie that isn't the Avengers movie. Everybody knows. <laughs> right. Okay. So starting with the 29th or the 23rd best Bond film. Oh, God. All the way up to the first. I'm not doing this. Uh, just go to mattgorley.tumblr.com. He did it. I read it. The articles were really funny. You can go from and there. And it's, it's, you agree with it? I don't, right. I don't know if well, I necessarily agree with it, but it's, he's a funny writer and it's worth looking into. Okay. <laughs> well, I would place Skyfall extremely near the top. Yeah. I, I have issues with Casino Royale because of the last half hour, although the rest of it is really, really strong. Um, and I like a lot of, I actually like a lot of the Brosnan films, 
Like Goldeneye is actually pretty good. Tomorrow Never Dies is not bad at all. Mm. Um, really? I really like Tomorrow Never uh, Dies. Really? Yeah. There's a stealth uh, boat and a and a saw blade <laughs> missile. Like there's it's yeah. a little too much. <laughs> it's a little too much. But it's it's not a little too much in the way that the the Roger Moore films are. Uh, I agreed. kind of. So I would put I would put those two Brosnan films above the. Uh, let me make sure that Andrew's still. Did we lose again. Okay. I would put the Brosnan. I'd put the Brosnan films above any of the Roger Moore films. I'd put um, License to Kill up there. I'd put mm. Lazenby up there. I know we were supposed to talk about Lazenby. I don't think it's going to happen at this point. Although, if you want to, in a moment, feel free. Um, and then, but I think that the first three Connery films are like the best Bond films. So Skyfall is in there somewhere. It's in the top th- three or four, depending on where I think it stands against like from Russia, from Russia with love. Like Russia is a really good film. And I, I, I don't want to say Skyfall's better than it based on one viewing. Yeah. I, that's, that's the thing. I, I need to see Skyfall again before I can make that kind of um, big. Yeah. I, it's one of the things where I, I, I'm hesitant to talk about a film like right after I've seen it because I need time for it yeah. to, to cook in my brain, you know? Uh, so I feel like in a year yeah. I'll either love it more or I'll hate it completely. It's, Right, like the Dark. It's like Knight. when I saw like, Dark Knight Rises. I loved it. I loved it when I saw it, and oh, then the, I walked out of oh, the theater, really? and Dark Knight Rises just makes me incredibly angry because it's a terribly written film. I actually like it more no. I, I, as I haven't seen it in a long time. Every time I oh, watch, I, I it, I'm mean like, Dark Knight oh, Rises. I really don't like it that the, much. Uh, That's what I mean. Oh, I mean, I mean Dark oh, Knight God, Rises. No. Um, Dark Knight, I liked a ton coming out of the theater, and I like it less. Um, I like it again when I watch it, and then I like it less. <laughs> hmm. So we might have alternate we have, things, we, and then Batman yeah, we've begins. Yeah, we've traded. Batman Begins is a movie so that we'll, happened. Oh, uh, God. Well, we'll talk about Batman in a future podcast. Deal. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to go see this again, probably even in IMAX. Yeah. Even if it's, like, one of the fake. Like, I want to see it in the biggest screen I can, um, a nice, pristine print before it's out of theaters. Because, yeah, it's it's an amazing film to look at, and I don't think the plot's going to let you down. Like, it's not one of those Batman films where the plot's like, what really was that in the end? This is a solid plot from beginning to end. Yeah, uh, relatively, so, yeah. I'd say yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think that's an hour's worth of our thoughts on Skyfall. I, I want to thank Michael and Andrew for joining me um, to talk about it. Um, Michael, where can people find you around the internet? Uh, I am on Twitter. I'm at Michael Mixon. Uh, and I'm also at Geek Crash Course, uh, which is the the show I do. Uh, YouTube.com slash Geek Crash Course or Blip.tv slash Geek Crash Course. It's GeekCrashCourse.com. We have a, a variety of locations on the internet where you can find us. Uh, we're also currently running a Kickstarter, so uh, uh, that we're trying to fund a, a second year of the show. So any help would be awesome. Thank you very much. Very good. We'll have links to that in the show notes. And Andrew, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me online. You can find me at filmgeekradio.com. I am the founder and the editor of that website at the moment. I'm releasing a series of articles all about uh, all of the James Bond films. It's a series called Discovering 007. So if you like James Bond, go check that out. And you can also check out our mini podcasts on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, uh, the Thin Place, and the, the, the show that you and I do, Greg, uh, Dispatches from St. Marina, which is a new weekly podcast all about the ABC series Last Resort. So check that out, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew. 
All right. Well, thank you once again. And I can be found on the Twitter at Greg Harbin. That's G-R-E-G-H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N. And you can follow Trek FM as a whole. Several of our editors tweet from there. Just at Trek FM. Meeting adjourned.